Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 140 of the Mandolins and Beer podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. Hope everybody is doing well. I'm going to start this one off by saying congratulations to Full Chord Bluegrass on winning the Telluride Bluegrass Festival last week. Those guys are incredible. Um, Brian Oberlin, he was on the podcast a while back. He's got a huge, huge collection of great music out there, but um, really got to know some of those guys really well at IBMA last year. And they're just what a great group of people and so talented. So congratulations to them. Very well deserved. So I wanted to give them a shout out real quick. Also, there's some great music by some former guests out there too. I don't want to miss anybody, but just uh, uh, Nick Dumas has got a new single out there that's crushing it. And Thomas Castle's Circus Number no. 9, they also have another, uh, they have a song, called, a new single that just came out and Great stuff. So people are really cranking it up and, and and staying busy out there, myself included. So anyway, congrats to them as well for putting out some great music. This episode really meant a lot to me doing it, um, Elderly Instruments. Again, I was really fortunate to live an hour and a half from just one of the best music stores around and the ability to go and look at a large number of mandolins and and have access to playing them and and get to feel the difference and hear the difference in a bunch of them and and even guitars before long before I played mandolin I'd bought some guitars from them one of the best telecasters I'd ever owned I bought from them and they were always incredibly nice and if you're going to look, if you're going to buy, it didn't matter. Everybody was treated the same. So I spent a lot of hours at Elderly Instruments, and uh, it's really great to talk to Stan and Lillian. So, so let's get into the ads here. With Peghead Nation streaming video courses in mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, and bass, you'll learn bluegrass, old time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in Roots music. PegheadNation.com features a great lineup of mandolin instructors with courses by Sharon Gilchrist, Joe K. Walsh, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Fibish, and Chad Manning. Actually just went through one of Aaron Weinstein's uh, this week. I was working on his version of All of Me, which was really, really cool, and some great chord voicing, so I definitely recommend that. Courses include high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab, play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play. The best part is you can join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now and get your first month for free. Go to PegheadNation.com and use the promo code MANDOLINBEER at checkout. Oh, man, I forgot Ian Curry in his new uh, Shoro one, so you can also sign up for that, too. Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com. Download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. In uh, Northfield, they have a pretty significant tie with elderly. And listen about the uh, special instrument they're going to have here for elderly coming up. That's near the end of the podcast. It's really, really cool stuff. Northfield Mandolins. Ear Trumpet Labs. Hand-built microphones in Portland, Oregon. Their mics are beautifully designed to have great feedback rejection for live use in the most natural tone you'll find for acoustic instruments. Check them out at eartrumpetlabs.com. Today, I actually just used theirs at a pretty good-sized event uh, outdoors this past Saturday, and it sounded amazing. So Ear Trumpet Labs, thank you so much for sponsoring. Pava Mandolins, dedicated to building for the impassioned player. Pava Mandolins, dedicated in Austin, Texas, and Elderly Instruments has on their website right now five beautiful 
Pava mandolins. Go check them out there. Straight up strings. Science was not one of my high points in education. However, it sure seems like Roger Simonoff might have done all right with it. He has come up with a set of strings that give you the most balanced sound. As a matter of fact, hear every note of every chord is one of their taglines. They are engineered with compensated downloads for optimum balance. I don't know what that means for sure, but you can go and read it at straightupstrings.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for their awesome newsletter. Roger does a great job with that newsletter, and there's a reason why people like Tristan Scroggins and CJ Lewandowski use their strings. And Elderly Instruments. Elderly Instruments is your trusted source for new, used, and vintage fretted and stringed instruments. For the experienced beginner player, their vast selection of mandolins, guitars, banjos, ukuleles, did I say mandolins? Includes all of the accessories and books to go with them. All instruments are inspected and set up for easy playability, and down-to-earth and knowledgeable staff are there to help. Now, in their 50th year, they're family-owned and operated. They ship worldwide, and you can visit them anytime at elderly.com. All right, let's get into the episode, y'all. Um, there's no music in this one, but I'm going to lead into it with a little John Hartford, and I guess you'll probably hear why I'm using the John Hartford yeah, further on into this episode. Cheers, everybody. Have a great weekend. This is a squirrel hunter. All right, now it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast Stan and Lillian Worben from Elderly Instruments. How y'all doing? Pretty good. Great, Daniel. How are you? Man, I'm doing excellent. This is this is really great for me to talk to you guys because before I moved to Charleston from from Michigan, um, going to Elderly Instruments, I, I couldn't go there enough. I tried to go there like every two months. It's like a 90 minute drive. I had two little kids. Um, going there was just the best. I have such great memories of going to Elderly. Well, great. You can always you can always visit us anytime, though, Daniel. Yeah, absolutely. Like- you know, I um I don't know if I told you this last time I talked to you, but um I had I had been flown up to play a party one time, and uh, they flew me into Flint, and I got there early, and I had enough time. I'm like, oh man, I, I got in like 30 minutes early. I have time now to go from Flint to Elderly, and then back up to Midland, Michigan. <laughs> so I made a quick jaunt over there. It was awesome. Well, you know, out, out here in the Midwest, uh, nothing is very far from from anything else, on at least on some level, because if not, if for no other reason, we don't have much in the way of traffic jams anywhere. Yeah, we're centrally located. <laughs> and what's really great too is one of the things I thought for sure when I moved to the South was that look, oh, there'll be mandolins hanging everywhere, you know, and uh, it's you know, bluegrass in the South seems synonymous. Nothing like elderly down here. <laughs> not even, not even close. And we're sorry to hear that, but we appreciate hearing that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so first things first, 50th year anniversary this year, and you guys have a block party coming up here. Yes. So let's, yes. let's hear about that real quick. So anybody who might, might be in the Michigan area or surrounding might stop yeah. up and check it out. Well, 50 years to the day, July 5th, we will be celebrating 50 years and the official uh, succession, I suppose. Um, but we'll have two stages with music from 12 to 9, food trucks, uh, complimentary axe throwing, 
Um, in that guitar axe, though, right? Real <laughs> no, axes, but I thought everybody would appreciate the time. Um, and we have kids' events happening as well, so um, egg shaker maker stations and ukulele workshops. Um, so it'll be a it'll be a good blast. There, there are some who say that that uh, that ukuleles are for for adults too, but you know. <laughs> well, there's an adult ukulele strum happening right at twelve o'clock. So, in fact, ukuleles for all ages on the fiftieth. Right. <laughs> And that's really cool you're doing that. One of the things on Saturdays, you could walk into elderly, and I don't know if this still happens as much any longer. I mean, who knows, I guess, with COVID, but I remember you could go to elderly on a Saturday and just walk into, like, the craziest picking session in the acoustic room. Um, it, it was amazing. Yeah, it's slowly coming back. I think people are just now venturing out to do that kind of stuff again. It was It was amazing, though, like, just players of all – all levels you could just count on seeing you know something amazing on a saturday there you know i i think i love seeing the the variety of people uh you know you look at how they're dressed and you say well these people probably would never meet each other or yeah. talk to each other at least on, on a given day and uh and and everybody has you know sort of the, the common the common uh uh the common thread of of music to 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 uh to meet each other with and and that's really great it it, it, it does often happen yeah it, you know what's interesting you say that there is a great billy strings video of him and his dad playing uh -huh. and um yeah. at, at your place at elderly there and he's one of those people too when i go see him live it's the same thing it's like the craziest mix of people you would yeah. ever see that he's bridging this gap and coming right from michigan <laughs> Well, it's true. Yeah, that uh, I, it surprised me when I saw that video, which is only a couple of years ago, I think. Because yeah. um, I actually, I never knew him. I think he he and his dad would come in quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, uh, gosh, you know, he's awfully good. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and and you know, it's, they didn't make a big fuss. They mostly sit in the corner, I think, and and just pick guitars themselves. Super happy for that guy too. But it's just, it's yeah, amazing. You know, I'm guessing at the time he was. I don't know how old he is now, actually, but he, you know, kind of looked like he was like 15 or something like that. Um, maybe a little older then, but but I, I'm not I, I'm not even sure exactly when that was, but um, but it was fun to see it. Yeah, I'll be sure I'll put a link to that video here so people can check it out too in the uh, sure. in the description and and click on it. It's really cool to see, and that is like something. It's a really good example of something you could walk into elderly at and see at like any time, which again you expect that in in Nashville. You know, when you walk into right. one of the stores there, because so many like all those pros live there. But, you know, when you when you're in central Michigan or mid Michigan, you know, it's a, it's yeah. it's really amazing to see such talented players that you, you know, could be slightly unexpected. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't uh, hurt. It, it keeps our days interesting. That's for sure. Oh, my gosh. I bet. Now, you, Lillian, are getting ready to kind of take over the reins from from Stan, huh? Ah, that is the plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love the laughter. That's so exciting, you know, that, yeah. you're, that you're keeping it in the family and, and keeping it going. Yeah. And, and again, 50 years, man. That is – so, Stan, when you started Elderly Instruments, what what was the initial game plan 50 years ago? I mean, uh, I, I mean well, in the 90s when I started playing, it was – 
it was world renowned. This isn't just, you know, if people aren't familiar with elderly instruments at, at one point, I think you might even still be like the world's largest Martin guitar dealer. Yeah, I don't think it's true anymore because uh, there's some you know mega stores out there. Oh, right, uh, right. Have beat us out in that regard, but that's okay. And and uh, you know we we're still happy being who we are. And but but um, but you know we we have a lot of inventory. We have a lot of people who come see us. Uh, we're we're you know really happy that that happens, and and uh, we enjoy every minute of it. Really. Was that the plan? Oh, was that the plan? Oh, thank you. <laughs> That was well. Uh, sure, that was the plan. <laughs> but you know, the, truth, the truth is that that uh, you know when we started, uh, Sharon uh, McIntyre and I uh, started off with uh, a very very small space uh, and and uh, you know a bunch of posters that we were hanging up around town. The date on on July fourth, nineteen seventy two, we were hanging up these these posters saying that we were opening, uh, we had a grand opening, we called it. And, um, and, and we had a, a very fancy looking curious, uh, 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 poster. poster that, uh, came out of the, there was a, a Dover book of, uh, of old woodcuts or something like that. And, and that's what we, that's what we used for it. And, and, uh, you know, people say, well, you know, what, what's the story with these posters? And we said, well, I don't know. We threw it together. We were the two weeks just before we opened, we were busily putting up the walls to the store uh, because, and, and there, it wasn't a gigantic uh, building project, but for us it was because we had very little experience doing it, but we managed to put up walls in a doorway because we were inside another, another uh, a business that, uh, that was subleasing a space. And, um, and so for about two weeks, we, we moved to town immediately, uh, you know, had to find a place to live. And, um, we, uh, started working right away on, on, you know, putting up walls so that we could hang up a few guitars in our little eight by 12 store. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, we wound up not advertising it until like the last minute. So on July 4th, of 1972, we were walking around East Lansing, Michigan, trying to find places where we could hang posters. And of course, in those days, especially in a college town, you'd see a lot of posters just hanging on on um, uh, telephone poles and and of course bulletin boards. But but uh, you know, we just we I don't know how many we put up, but it wasn't a whole lot. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, somehow or other, some people started coming to us the next day. We were we were mighty surprised and pleased. Oh, that's mm -hmm. great. Where did you live? prior to moving there we were in ann arbor oh okay wow cool what yeah made, what made you choose lansing was it because of because uh, uh, um msu i mean i know u of m is in ann arbor too it was kind of no yeah i mean um it was more i think uh we we talked about we had been we had already been searching for old instruments for about a year or so before that and uh you know we could find a few and uh, we could sell a few because we knew some people in the music community in, in Ann Arbor. But, you know, you kind of run out of people real quickly that way. <laughs> it's sure. Like in those days, you know, in those days, you know, you only had two or three friends. And nowadays you had <laughs> 10,000 friends. Uh, but, but, no, but seriously, uh, you really do run out of, out, out of people that you know who are interested in buying the, the, the used or vintage instruments that you happen to have. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, uh, so we, you know, we were thinking, we're kind of thinking, well, okay, we've got a bunch of instruments now. We have something to sell. We don't really have a place to sell it except by word of mouth. 
And uh, so we started thinking about other places around the country that we knew of. And, you know, I can tell you that at the time we thought about places like uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Mm. We talked about Philadelphia. Um, and um, gosh, I don't, you know, there were, there were a lot of possibilities. And, you know, Lansing was probably the last place on our list. <laughs> Although, you know, we weren't really searching that hard and, and, but in, until we happened to bump into somebody who was running. Uh, uh, he had only for about two years before that, he'd been running a used bookstore uh, in East Lansing. And he, he looked at our stuff. We actually, we met at a flea market that, uh, or kind of an antiques market that we decided to, to rent a booth in and see if we could either buy or sell something there, which we didn't, I might add. We did go there, but we didn't sell, sell or buy anything. <laughs> but we met this very nice man, Ray Walsh, who, who uh, you know, basically was in the same business we were in except books. I mean, yeah. so from a business standpoint, there was a similarity and he, he thought, this is cool, he thought. And he came up to us and he said, you know, have you guys thought about, about moving? And we were in Ann Arbor at the time at the antique store, the antique mall uh, or whatever it was. It was just a temporary weekend market. And, and he said, have you guys thought about, uh, about opening up a store? And we said, well, you know, it's funny we have. Uh, and he said, well, uh, I'm up in East Lansing and, uh, there's there's a space across the hallway in the basement of the building where I'm located. There's a, there's a space uh, that I think these people would, would sublease you some space. You could, you could get something small started there. And we said, Hmm, well, let's see. Well, so we, we, within a week or two, we, we had driven up there, looked it over uh, and uh, our research deciding whether to move to this town was we looked around town. It was summertime. It was probably, it was probably by this time June of '72, and um, or early June. And we looked around, and I think the students were mostly gone because of semester was over. And and but we we kind of looked outside on the streets and saw a fair number of young people and a few of them like carrying guitars just by coincidence. <laughs> and we case, so we said, you know, let's do it. And, and it was, you know, the rent was going to be $60 a month, which was uh, happily something we could afford. <laughs> right. And, uh, and we, you know, we wound up going up there and uh, getting this store sort of put together. And uh, we borrowed a car from a friend uh, in Ann Arbor because uh, we we didn't all we had we had a we had a Volkswagen Bug, a, a convertible Volkswagen Bug. So it was hard to transport. Uh, I don't know ten or fifteen instruments. <laughs> uh, and there there were and there were probably there was a, more than that in number of instruments. But but there was that plus, uh, you know, I think about the real instruments like you know stringed instruments. But we also had I mean we had other kinds of stringed instruments like violins um, that. Um, you know, fit more easily into the Volkswagen, but but we wound up borrowing a friend's car and made a couple of trips up there. Uh, it's about an hour and a quarter away, and uh, uh, and we were able to somehow stock this store and put it up within a couple of weeks and move into town and you know kind of immediately started meeting people, finding out that there was a pretty good scene of people that, and happily uh, there didn't seem to be any music stores that really serviced them, and so. Uh, you know, that's kind of the, the, the longest version of the short story, but, <laughs> but, uh, but basically that's what happened. And, and, uh, and then 
you know, you to get back to your question, <laughs> the question was, did we ever think that we would ever do what we did? And the, the true answer, of course, is no. You know, we we were kind of looking one day at a time, and we weren't looking far into the future because what we didn't know. You know, we didn't know how to run a business. Uh, we didn't even know that much about instruments. I mean, uh, we knew a bit. I mean, I knew. Uh, I I already I had a Martin guitar and and a Vega banjo and. Um, and a, and a Gibson mandolin, <clears throat> excuse me, a Gibson mandolin that uh, that we had actually bought in a in a uh, flea market in in Ann Arbor. Oh wow! And um, and the others were instruments I played. I didn't play mandolin at all at the time. And um, so uh, so we you know we we managed to get all this all set up and and uh, and then we you know we just kind of took one step at a time, looking forward and. Uh, I, I like to say that, you know, you make your own luck, and I suppose that's true, but... Uh, it, luck it, takes a lot of hard work. It, it yeah, does. It does. <laughs> certainly true. And that, of course, as as you expand, get bigger, and, you know, there's all kinds of new issues to to kind of deal with. Like, what do you do when you have, all of a sudden, instead of five employees, uh, what happens when you have 25? And then what happens when you have 100? So... Um, so that, that's all very strange, actually. It's, a, it's been a a, a a long, strange trip, I guess you'd say. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Using the, the vernacular of the time. Do you how many? Um, do you remember how many mandolins you had when you first started out? Oh, uh, you know, uh, I don't. Uh, it couldn't have been more than a couple, though. Sure, sure. I mean, again, it's it's already a niche instrument. I should say, just somewhere I have. Uh, a folder with uh, all, all our bookkeeping records for the year 1972. Mm. Uh, and, and it's it's just something that I, you know, you, you find out you have to do all these certain kinds of things in business. Like you have to, you have to tell the IRS how much your inventory is worth. <laughs> right, right. So they, they, they can decide how much money of it is theirs, you know. <laughs> and and, uh, and you have to tell them what you, what you know, what they cost you and, uh, and so on. So, so they, um, sorry, I'm, I'm kind of losing track here a little bit. No, but, no, it's fine, but, man. Uh, but I, so I do have an inventory, the actual inventory, and I should pull that out. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I think I know where it is, uh, of, of what our actual instrument inventory was on December 31st, 1972, which is when we needed to do it for tax purposes. Um, so that should, that'd be fun to look at sometime. Then I could properly answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the one and the reason why I ask is just because the one thing um, that I just couldn't believe when I first visited your store as like a mandolin player, I'd bought a couple electric guitars from you before. But then when I went in as a mandolin player, just the just the amount of mandolins you had hanging on the walls. I mean, you know, yeah. and it was just like. It was great stuff, and it was all levels and a you know a bunch of Gibsons. Do you remember sure. when um, mandolins started kind of, you know, when you guys maybe started adding more mandolin inventory, or if anything drove that? No, I don't know. I think you know we, you know, since we were in the the initially we were in the vintage used and vintage instrument business, and in that case, it's like whatever comes along, kind of thing. We'll take it, you know, <laughs> and. Um, 
but then you know fairly quickly we got into the new instrument business and and um, that gives you a little more um, versatility in terms of, of being able to get the inventory that you'd like to have at least in the price range that people want um, and and you know that's kind of how we got into, we got into the new instrument business I think because well maybe because it was the obvious thing to do also uh, because you can't always find the vintage instrument stuff that that you want um, and and of course it's not always even possible especially in those days it wasn't very possible to get mandolins for instance um, from a from a new manufacturer I mean we one of the reasons we became a, a Gibson dealer early in the 1970s um, and our spiel to them was, you know, we really like your instruments and we really, um, we'd really like to carry them because they're right up our line and they're not up the line of any of the other music stores in the area. Um, <laughs> and, and, and specifically we wanted their banjos and mandolins and uh, it sort of turned out that, that this was, the early 70s was kind of the worst period for <laughs> yeah. Gibson yeah. ever. <laughs> you know, before or since. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And, and you know, the mandolins from the 1970s are not considered very good. Although, you know, they're with a little bit of age, they've turned out to be a little nicer than we ever thought they would be. So they're sort of okay considered now. But but um, they they are just, you know, we, we wanted to get manufacturers just what we wanted to find in the old instrument uh, area we wanted to have the instruments that people are going to want and that uh, and that we're going to appreciate and feel like okay we're giving them a good value for for what they have now do you remember the first time you like came across a lore mandolin do i remember that um and i guess what my question would be at the time like what how do you value prices like when you when you first start out were there was there like a book guide you know because 72 it's not like you have access to the internet to be like you know like what are these selling for you know yeah it's 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 a very interesting question actually because that certainly in the early days that was a big struggle i mean i can't remember we might not have gotten a, a lore mandolin until the 1980s or so if we used to talk about them it was it was always this this uh uh, this kind of joke saying, okay, we, well, you know, we ought to stop it. If, if you're driving along the street, you stop at every, every garage sale and flea market and hope they have a Louis Blue mandolin or, right, a, right. or a pre pre war herringbone Martin. Mm. And, um, but you know, in fact, uh, there, there was, there was no, there was very little guidelines going on. I mean, there were, as you probably know, there were a few people around the country, uh, a more, I'd say a handful of people around the country, some of whom still are around, um, who uh, who were dealing in such things, and uh, and and who actually went, you know, like went from festival to festival back in those days, and and did a lot of wheel, wheeling and dealing uh, uh, on the festival grounds per se, and uh, and were out there, you know, beating beating the bushes hard to, to find the kind of instruments they wanted. And uh, we actually took the approach of let, let them come to us because there's a lot of, I mean, amongst the, the work that you can get into doing uh, when you're in a business is having to go out and beat the bushes. It's, it's, <laughs> it's really easy. We'd rather advertise, you know, give people a reason to come to us 
maybe have something that they can trade to uh, uh, trade for with their their lower mandolin or their Gibson A model or uh, or a little Martin mandolin or a Lion of Healy, anything like that. Um, uh, but you know, it sort of turned out that after a while, all these things showed up. And we had to kind of guess in those days. And you know what? Sometimes these days, that's still true because there, you know, there, there are blue books uh, per se of vintage instruments, but they really, um, they really don't reflect the current, the current uh, situation. The urgency of the market. Right. Really. Right. Things change very quickly. Things right. change very quickly. You know, uh, um, Chris Steely comes on the scene and all of a sudden everybody wants a mandolin. <laughs> uh, Billy String shows up and every, all of a sudden everybody wants an acoustic guitar. Uh, and, and I say everybody, but I mean the people who didn't, didn't know all the people who came before them. Yeah. So it's, it's a little hard to know. And, and, and after a while you do get a, uh, you know, a good feel for it and you have a sense of, okay, I know what the market's been which at this point we have plenty of history on. Mm -hmm. And the question is, what is it now? And what are we seeing? Uh, and, and listening to the customers, which we do a lot of too. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll, if, believe me, if the, if the instruments are overpriced, then... Um, we hear about we it. We hear about <laughs> it. And we're, you know, we're not embarrassed to hear about it. And, uh, but but that's, sometimes that's a matter of opinion. If they're underpriced, we know that pretty quickly, too, because they're gone so fast that, you know, it's a blink of an eye. <laughs> You're like, oh, no. <laughs> and then all it takes the market now, and, and it, in some ways it always has. I always find it interesting when, I mean, I, anything of value is is um completely debatable i mean you can say you know this yeah. water bottle i have in front of me is worth five hundred dollars but if nobody's willing to pay five hundred dollars for it is it really worth and i don't have a five hundred dollar water bottle by yeah, the way but you yeah. can just say that you can put any price on anything it's what is somebody going to pay for it you know that's true that's exactly right and, the, and it's the buyers who decide what the market is mm -hmm. it, it, i mean home. it's it's interesting that the lures i mean at one point I mean, we're going for a quarter of a million dollars, right? I mean, I, I definitely played one that had a 225. I think it's more that there were a few sold at that price. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> right. they kind of dropped out at that. And then, uh, uh, you know, around uh, 28, uh, we had this recession thing. And, and, uh, and all of a sudden, a lot of high-end instruments kind of, I'm not sure they immediately plummeted in price, but they stopped selling. Mm. Uh, we'd have them and then nobody would want it at, at the price that you could sell it for easily a year before. And so that's, that's something that um, takes a lot of finessing and, and, and trying to figure out, okay, what's going on. And, uh, and so, you know, to some extent, you know, you watch other dealers and, and which is much easier nowadays than it was back in the day. So. Oh, sure. <laughs> I, oh, you, you brought up Chris Thiele, and that reminds me of a story Keith told me, Keith Billick, Picky Fingers yeah. Banjo Podcast, my buddy. And he was walking through the store one day, and um, he's like, yeah, I just walked by a guy playing a mandolin, and he's like, he was just playing a G scale, like warming up, and he's like, it was the best sounding G scale I've ever heard played. <laughs> and he's like, I just turned and looked, and it was Chris Thiele. Yeah. And uh, yeah. he was just like, you know, it, the best tone in his hands he's you know ever heard somebody just yeah. walking by like that and i wonder if you have any other like big named people that you have 
that you've had come through that, you know, like Thiele for mandolin is kind of like the, uh, you know, Grisman and Sam and Thiele are kind of right up there at the top of people you'd want to run into <laughs> if you play mandolin. Well, I mean, you saw Chris, well, Keith saw Chris just doing a G scale, but uh, that's kind of how the big names come in. You know, no one asking for VIP service, although if they asked, we'd probably give it to them. (laughs) Sure. Uh, But, you know, like they're shopping for instruments. They just want a new mandolin, want a new guitar. So. Or they're just hanging out at the store in between gigs. Yeah, so we may not even notice they're there until they're checking out or until they send us a, I really love my blank. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, I remember being in there one day when Jeff Daniels bought his, uh, his steel guitar that he wrote that Tigers song for. Um, and he was on like the billboard with that guitar. Um, but it was just amazing to just be in there. Like I would, I just made a trip there and there's Jeff Daniels trying out all these guitars. I'm like, Oh, get out of here, man. This is amazing. Yeah. It's, you know, I think it's not something that, you know, uh, you, you mentioned Nashville before, you know, if you live in Nashville or LA, it's not a surprise to see someone like, you know, uh, the, 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 the popularity of, of Jeff Daniels uh, uh, walking down the street even. And, and uh, it's, it's certainly less common for us here in the Midwest. You know, we, we, we appreciate it a little bit more maybe than, than, than maybe a little more humble our, about it. Friends in the big city, you know. Well, that's yeah. the thing too, is it, it be, it, your place is a destination where like people know elderly instruments name. It's not, like, oh, is there any music stores in Lansing? If you're a musician, you're, I, I would imagine 99%. If you're a professional musician, I'd say 100% know where you're located. So if they're in Lansing or anywhere within a good driving distance, I would imagine they would make a stop there just because of your, your history. Yeah, a good chance. And we, we, we hope, hope so. yeah, and we definitely hope so. <laughs> I have a quick story to tell you about like that, which is sometime in the 1990s, um, John Hartford was playing in town. He was actually playing with a uh, um, uh, he was playing with with the, the Glenn Campbell touring show. There was some kind of Glenn Campbell touring show. You know, Hartford was on the Glenn Campbell TV show way back in the '60s, I guess. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so you know when they they were you know sending they sent out essentially a nostalgia tour uh to to one of the big auditorium uh, at at Michigan State University the Wharton Center oh yeah and, and oh yeah you know this uh, but i guess mm. i'm assuming that other people don't so. <laughs> right right <laughs> but, um but uh at some point when he was there during the day, uh, you know, the, 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 this, you know, 20 or 30 musicians or, and, and com, comics and whatever else they had uh, that, you know, to put on their show. And they, you know, they, they got into town and sometime in the, in the middle of the day, John Hartford uh, asks one of the sound people, they were doing sound checks and so on. He said, you know, is there, isn't there some place around here where I can get, uh, where I can look at, at like used banjos and guitars and fiddles and stuff like that. And, uh, and of course, mandolins and, and, uh, and, and, um, uh, somebody sent him to, uh, a, a longtime competitor of ours who, who, uh, lives, whose store is actually closer to East Lansing than we are. And, um, uh, 
And he said, okay, great. And then he went down there and this is this big sort of everything in music kind of kind of music store. And, and uh, so they have a lot of, a lot of brass instruments and, you know, they have a, had a smallish uh, guitar department and he, he looked around and sort of quickly figured out that this was nothing but new instruments anyway. And, and he wasn't that interested in that. And so he asked the person at the counter, he said, isn't there, isn't there, wasn't there someplace around in this town that, that, um, that has, you know, like used vintage instruments. And, uh, and the guy said, yeah, there is. And, and he said, well, you know, can you tell me how to get there? And he said, well, I'm not allowed to tell you. By the boss, no, don't send people to this other place. Um, and we were like, you know, two or three miles down the road, basically. <laughs> and, um, and so he said, well, uh, do you have a yellow pages? He said to the person, <laughs> and the guy said, yes, yeah, so sure. You know, and so Hartford, you know, looked in the yellow pages and he went to the musical instruments section and he saw our name and he said, oh yeah, that's the place I want to go to. Can you tell me how to get there? And the guy said, well, you know, uh, I, I can't really, I can't, specifically tell you that i'm really sorry and so hartford said so okay and he looked at the address in the in the ad and he said can you tell me how to get to 1100 north washington avenue <laughs> and, and the guy of course said oh yeah sure you just go out there and turn left and go down you know for a couple of miles and turn right again and you'll be there and um and 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 then of course one of the first things when he got to the store it's the, one of the first things he told us was that story because he was he was kind of flabbergasted by it but it you know it is interesting I, you know at that point I think we realized that you know what I guess people do do come to see us <laughs> and, and I guess I guess we have a name of some sort so I guess I knew it before that but but uh, that kind of thing illustrates it uh, for me at least. When was it for you that you were like, wow, this is this has gotten to be bigger than than we imagined. You know, you're starting off in a uh, a little a little booth and if for people who haven't been to elderly instruments yeah. it's in an old schoolhouse, right? Is that what that was? It's a schoolhouse? Well, you know, it looks like an old schoolhouse, but it, but it's actually uh, an odd fellows hall, a lodge hall. Oh, okay. Uh, like the Masons or something like that. Yeah, and it's it's awesome. <laughs> when you pull up there, it's just cool. And of course, we've connected the the two buildings to the north now, as well. Back in the '90s, so there's this one building that looks like an it's an old brick building. That's the main building, and that's that's the I O O F building. If you look at the top of it, it says that, mm -hmm. and that's the Independent Order of Odd Fellows. Um, <laughs> And uh, we and we bought the building in 1983 from uh, from the Oddfellows, the local Oddfellows Lodge, and uh, and renovated and had moved in and made turned it into a music store. Uh, but then, of course, uh, about 10 years later or so, we we needed more space, so we bought the building next door, which was already connected to the building next door to that. Mm -hmm. And so we have an odd conglomeration of three buildings connected at this point um it's quite the frankenstein <laughs> it, it is kind of a frankenstein. but uh you know at this point we also you know we put a really nice mural on it about five years ago um uh, on on the on the two buildings to the north and that kind of i think it all brings it together although i'm still unsure if people realize that 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 those two buildings it's which is the old the north lansing post office and uh, and the uh the National Cash Register Building, <laughs> um, which is what they both were originally back in the 50s and, and earlier. 
and uh, and somehow we've turned it into a building that works for us, and and we're really happy about it. You know, gave us lots of room, like some expansion space and so on. So when did you realize though? Like you're like, wow, like I mean, you guys are you're doing a lot of business and and have developed an impressive name in the uh, in in the vintage and in in the new market. I mean, you became a destination. It was big a big name it's it is a big name <laughs> yeah you know then part that happened partly because because we we in 1975 we went into the mail order business we produced a mail order catalog and and uh after a while for the first one it took three years to do another one i think but but after that it, it we would do it as much as four times a year which was kind of crazy but but when i you know, when did i when did i realize that that uh this was all much harder than it than i thought it would ever <laughs> yeah, be yeah and i would say that's been going on for at least 30 years now <laughs> so it's, it's an ongoing thing and and you know I, I used to say that that it, from my standpoint, businesses change every five years. At least mine did, and and um, it, it, but they change in a, in the sense of you have to you have to the world changes and you have to change with it. And yeah. and uh, you know it, it, the the first big step was uh, being in the mail order business was great, but. Uh, Back in the late 80s, we realized that we needed to have computers because these things called personal computers came in and became a thing uh, back in the early 80s. And and uh, so we, you know, just getting into computers at all was a big step. And then, you know, another seven or eight years after that, all of a sudden this thing called the Internet. I don't know if you heard of it down there, but uh, <laughs> they're, they're trying to get it in down here. Yeah, it's become a big thing. It's become a big thing around here, anyway. And um, and we, you know, all of a sudden we had to have a website, and 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 all along, and then you know, ten years after or fifteen years after that, all of a sudden we have, you know, this thing called a recession. We had had we had been through recessions before, but never like that one. We're not it. They had never affected us before. Um, and all of a sudden we realized, oh yeah, we're, you know, we're more connected to the real world than we thought we were. And, and so, you know, but again, it's, it's, you know, it's when you run a business, it's, uh, it's a series of, of, uh, new, new experiences. Let's just say that. Um, and, and cause you, you need to, on the one hand, keep up with the times. Uh, on the other hand, you have to make sure that, uh, that doing so doesn't, doesn't run you out of business because it's so expensive to do. And, uh, and that's just, you know, it's, it, and it's an ongoing thing. And so we're delicate balance. It, it's a very delicate balance. Yeah. And, and Lillian is, you know, is, is taking that bull by the horns. I must say she's, she's been really, really helpful and great over the last five, six, how long have you been here? Six Almost years, eight, seven, eight, eight years. Wow. Oh my God. That's oh yeah. Okay. Does that mean you're over 15 now? Is that yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right. So the internet, that's, that's got to be pretty interesting. Um, first off, you mentioned the catalogs, which I, you know, I used to get them and they would be, that would be like, it'd be like Christmas, like getting a Christmas catalog as a kid, like however it was at four times a year, whatever they were coming, I would just be like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a, and I mean, it's a big catalog, again, for people who might, this wasn't a pamphlet. This no. was, it was like a big magazine, <laughs> you know? 
Well, it kind of was. Yeah, the the first one we put out, we were going to make it 28 pages or something like that. And, and we just started working on it. And, you know, and four months later, which was past the due date when we thought it would be done, uh, we were up to like 108 pages. And and we thought, well, you know, we better we better something, figure out a way to stop this and just publish it, <laughs> uh, which we did. With the Internet coming up, I mean, being a mail order business, I would imagine it was a really incredible way to to be able to get to people anywhere in the world as you know, as people got Internet access and and computers and stuff like that. And I guess it, I mean, would it affect the vintage market? Because I would imagine also the new market, it had to have been a bit of a nightmare with companies like, you know, Musician's Friend and and all those companies that came in and just undercut prices. Yeah. So how was that? What was the, uh, I mean, there had to be some advantages, but also some, you know, some struggles to overcome. Definitely so. Um, you know, but, but, you know, whether it's the internet or, or anything else, uh, when you run a business, you always have competitors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There are always other people who aspire to sell the same kind of stuff that you sell more or less. And, um, uh, so, so there's, and, and, you know, competitors is just one aspect of, of, of the, that delicate balance that, that you try to find when, uh, when running a store and, you know, you need, you need to, uh, have your prices to be attractive, which we always did and still have, I think, but, uh, yeah. but, but, but you also need to, uh, you need to attract people and uh and have something special for them that and that's what i hope we've tried to do he's being humble it takes oh. a lot of back-end management well, and right. a lot of actually caring about like the instrument itself and the customer themselves you know i grew up on the back end of the business and so we can pretend like working at a business takes hard work but you know i heard my dad at 2 a.m talking about you know what they needed to work on next week and what they were focusing on and who was doing such and such. And so, you know, when there are bigger competitors or other names doing what we're doing, we have to just focus on what we're doing because that's what we do best, you know, serving our instruments and our customers is, well, was dad's focus and that's what I'm doing. So I have to say the customer service at elderly was always top notch. I mean, okay. from the minute you walk in the door to the greeter there, like <laughs> just, you know, so nice. And so like, go on in, enjoy yourself too. Like when I bought, um, I bought a mandolin, it was like a mid-level mandolin. It was nothing super expensive. And, and it didn't even matter. Like when I took it to the counter, they they went and did a quick setup on it. They wanted they made sure everything was like good and any questions call and even even you know when I would be like buying something used from somebody to make sure I was getting a good deal. I remember specifically buying an amp, an old Fender amp, and I wish I could remember the name, but I called and talked to Frog there. And yeah. Frog was awesome. I mean, again, he's not making any money from this. I'm like, ah, I'm thinking about buying this like pro reverb. He's like, oh man, let me tell you about that amp. He's like, that amp, they use that on the Doobie Brothers album. He gave me this history. He's like, man, if it sounds good, you should buy it. That's a great deal. And I'm just like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, you know, but that was people, people. I believe you, you sound, you know, you, you, you've got the essence of Frog right there. <laughs> 
But people would, and that was the reputation you had, though, among musicians was, oh, man, just mm-hmm. call elderly. They'll, they're great about it. I'm like, well, they're not selling it. Like, no, it doesn't matter. They're just like cool, <laughs> cool people. And, uh, yeah, we're, it's we're, great. We're, we're happy. You know, first step, uh, our, our biggest, from a business standpoint, our, our biggest first hurdle in some ways is, is to get people into the store or onto our website or whatever it is. Uh, call us. And, uh, and you know, customer service is, is always where it's at. Oh, for sure. I mean, you're here 50 years. You know, there's a lot of, in, in retail in family owned, like there's uh, how, just, I, you, we could probably sit here for another hour and name companies that didn't make it 10 years that had, you know, huge backing, you know, from all sorts of people. And the fact that you're still just doing it is, is so great. And then a testament to all your hard work and, and, and the people you hire to work there. That's so great. Big time. <laughs> when I, and I tell you, it matters. It matters who you turn the store over to at some point, too. Yeah, that's uh, right. That... I am now 115 years oh, old. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, only, only some days do I feel 115. Uh... But, but you know, seriously, I'm 75, which is you know far past the point. I think my father re- retired at 59 from the post office. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and that, which would have been, I don't know what year that was, 19, uh, late 60s or something. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I, what, it, it certainly is a big question, I think, for uh, other people uh, who are, you know, kind of in the same sort of business as we're in, who started around the same time. There are a few stores around the country. I know they're struggling with trying to figure out, okay, what's the next step? Because I can't, I'm not going to live forever. We all, we, everybody knows that. And, and, uh, but then you sort of have to try to figure out a way to prepare for that. I mean, do you close the store? Do you sell the store? My point is that, that it's, it's really good to, to have a successor. Uh, who is interested and capable of of uh, taking it into the future, and and so as as you could imagine, we are now planning for the the hundredth anniversary uh, celebration uh, in in another fifty years. <laughs> That'd be if I'm still around, I'll be there. <laughs> I'll count on it. Yeah. I'll be with you. I'll be 175, 65. No, I should be able to do that. So, um, so Lillian, for you, like, was this, was this something that you knew you wanted to do? I mean, do you, are you a big music fan or the business fan or like how, how you know, cause um, I'm a big fan of music in general, uh, grew up in music, obviously, but also, you know, I, I was a choir kid, uh, and, um, I'm a big fan of my dad. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. I, I, I'm weeping over so, here on the show. <laughs> you know, after college, um, I don't know, I was confused and didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. But I knew that my dad had the successful business that people were stopping me on the street about. So I thought, you know, maybe he'll give me a shot. And uh, I was told I would be an extra body and so not to waste anyone's time, which was a good thing to tell me, I think, because I sure didn't want to bother anyone. And I started picking orders in the warehouse, commuting part time. Like, I I really wanted this job. (laughs) Um, And then she was living in Kalamazoo. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I went to Western. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a bit um, of a commute. Yeah, so I didn't make it easy on myself, um, 
but then from the warehouse I worked in the, the phone room department and in the sales, you know, showroom. Um, I eavesdropped in other meetings that <laughs> I was too young to really put my hand in. Um, but pretty organically, dad and I started talking about, you know, how can we spruce up this part of the back end or could we change this protocol? I'd like to uh, change the staffing. I want to I want to promote so and so. I want to make this person manager. Can we change can we split this department? Can we merge this department? And then I guess here we are 8 years later, co-owners. Yeah. <laughs> and we've gone through a lot we've gone through a lot a lot of changes. Yeah. And you know, we we we've, we've changed all our systems, uh, everything from phone systems to computers to uh, to how we do our website, yeah. and how we how we handle the inventory uh, in the store, and uh, and Lily's Lily's shows no sign of stopping that. We're we're going to have new awnings in the front of the building very soon. We're going to have new carpeting, all this kind of stuff that that we put off for a long time. Uh, and and we'll we're, we're going to spruce up the place a bit too. So um, the delicate balance of business is also the delicate balance of succession. Um, yeah. Early, earlier, he called me a good successor, but to be a good successor, you have to have a good mentor. And um, we've we've really blended together, you know, the original view of Dad and Sharon and kind of the forward view of dad and myself to what I I would consider us a strong business moving forward. I think we have good plans and they are housed in old school, old school ways. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. Now, you guys also have some ties to um, some of the people from Northfield, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, well, uh, well, at least three people who are there now, including the owner, used to work here. <laughs> um, you know, Adrian Bagale came to work here, I would say, in the early 90s. Yeah. Early yeah. 90s, early mid 90s. Uh, did we already have, were, were we already on the internet? I'm not sure if we were. I didn't have a piano, a keyboard. Either. Oh, that's right. So that's how I know. <laughs> how old were you when you got there? I must have been eleven. Okay, so that would have been that would have been two thousand or two thousand one. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Adrian was there from I guess from the mid nineties on. We yeah. uh, and and uh, 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 Adrian is was is a is a great guy and a very smart guy and mm -hmm. and um, he worked for us. Uh, for, I'm not sure how long, six seven years maybe. I, you know, he would know better than I. Yeah, it's, really. It's, it's you know, it all sort of blends. Interview him next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've had him on, but we were we were um, when I was in Nashville last time, we were supposed to catch up, but um, we, you know, with everything going on, it it didn't happen. But he's he's due for a uh, another another episode because they've got a bunch of stuff coming up too. We will have a fiftieth special built Northfield. Yeah, we will. Uh, I think a couple of them, maybe. I think just the one, and the only hands that will have touched it are former elderly employees. Oh, all right. Get okay. Out of here! That is amazing. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, it's fun. You yeah. heard it here first. Yeah. That's right. Oh, this is great. Um, well, they're they're actually we're going to have a, a a pretty good pile. I could say a pile because we could stack them all one on top of the other. Uh, a whole 
a, a pile of, of uh, uh, elderly 50th anniversary uh, instruments. We're going to have a whole bunch of banjos from Ohm, a bunch of guitars from Martin, uh, several, several from Breedlove and Taylor. Taylor and uh, Kevin Enoch is, is uh, giving us his 1,000th tradesman model banjo. Mm -hmm. And um, we have a couple ukuleles, one from Ohana and one from. Okay. What is it, I See, I don't even know all this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have a pile of, of of support from and vendors and and. We have we haven't officially revealed them yet, right? We're, are we going to put them up for sale actually on that day? The customs. Yeah, all the customs. Is We're, that how it's going to work? Yes, as they roll in, we will put them up for sale. Yeah. But we have companies that will be coming out through the entire year of our fiftieth, which is. This July fifth of twenty twenty two through next July fifth, twenty twenty three. Man, that's uh, again. That just goes to talk about the relationships that you have with vendors that uh, you know that you've curated for like fifty years. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and it's and it's fun doing it too. I mean, it sure is. <laughs> but you know, there's the, there's the business back end of it. We had to. You know, we we've had to sign a lot of labels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it was worth it, though. It isn't the hardest thing we've ever done. It's just one of the things. You know, that if you're going to have a, a special custom instrument, it needs to say it somewhere on the instrument, and that's one way to do it, especially on Martin guitars and mm -hmm. a couple others. But but um, we were just signing signing labels yesterday. Yeah, actually. Yep. I have to ask, do you have, uh, were there any um, mandolins that have come in that really, for you, over the course of all these years, again, being a mandolin nerd like myself, have there any that you've seen come in that really stuck out in your mind as far as like sound or playability or maybe history? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the most fun part on some level for me uh, is coming across something that's like really, really amazingly cool and different uh that you've never seen before and 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 didn't even know that existed and uh the first thing that comes to my mind when you when you ask that question is we had a uh, it was a bullback mandolin sort of and i think it's a kalache brand i mean so uh, you know all uh bullback mandolins and and really mandolins in general you know were were mostly came from europe and and a lot of them from Italy, especially, and um, just because of the you know the the instrument making history there, um, and uh, and the, we we one day we got this incredible mandolin that I had probably seen pictures of somewhere, but never thought I'd ever see because again they're you know they're made overseas and 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 it, you know it, it's not a bluegrass mandolin. Let me just say that. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> But it, but it would have it was like uh, I don't even know how to explain it but it was a, actually a round bowl back not a bowl bowl back like you see usually but the actual the actual bowl looked like a bowl from the back just completely <laughs> and or it seemed to me at the time and then it had arms that you know, decorative arms that came out on both sides uh, sort of you know might you might think of it like like a a harp guitar in some ways, but it, but it wasn't that. These the 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 top of the the spruce top of the mandolin uh, extended onto both arms on both sides, and there were no. It was still a, a, a an eight string instrument, but uh, but it had this 
you know, gorgeous look to it. And, and uh, it's a little clumsier to hold, you know, than even, uh, you might uh, agree with me on this, that, you know, blowback mandolins, till you get used to them, are kind of hard to hold and play at the same oh, time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right. And, and, but this was still sort of like that, except there was, there was more stuff. There was this slightly bigger and completely round bowl. And, uh, and again, these two arms on, on the sides, um, coming out. And point being that it was, you know, in terms of things that stuck out to me, I remember my eyes just getting really big when I saw that. <laughs> and, and, uh, I, one of those things that you regret having sold at some point, because it's something you never forget. And these things do exist nowadays with the internet. It's, you know, it's easier to find out about such things and it's easier to even find such things. Uh, because, you know, it, uh, it, you know, if there if there are five of them for sale in in the world, you can probably find them now. Uh, but uh, but at the time, it was like, oh man, you know. I mean, I was a my, my brain when I thought mandolins, I thought Gibson, and uh, and then everything that was offshoot offshot from it. Uh, but you know, uh, and the, the the most common mandolins we've probably seen over the years are 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 of old ones are you know Gibsons and and some Martins and some, you know, Washburn slash Lion and Healy. Um, and then, then just a, a bunch of oddballs really after that. I mean, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm missing somebody here, but, but, Not uh, news. but yeah, I think, I think those are, you know, that's what I think about as mandolins. And then you see something like this and it says, wow, the world is, is much more creative and interesting than I ever thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> and then just the, um, any instrument, what has been the one instrument that's come in used that has been like maybe the most historic piece that you have, that you've had your hands on? Oh man. Uh, well, yeah, we had we had the only left-handed pre-war D28 uh, just a couple of years ago, which was really a special instrument. Yeah, history-wise. Yeah, history-wise, and 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 again, you, you know, pre-war Martin, pre-war pre left-handed Martins are pretty rare, but um, I don't think anybody's ever seen another left-handed dreadnought. Right or at least a D-28. Um, uh, and this was in 1941, I think, uh, something like that. And, and, and the fun part of it, too, was besides the fact that it was left-handed, and that isn't really fun if you're right-handed like I am. <laughs> 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 you insult all the lefties out there. <laughs> no, no, it, no, it's not that. Every, I think everybody understands. I get what you mean, for sure. Good. Yeah, because you can't, you, you can't really enjoy it. You know, you can't just pick it up and play it. But, but you look at this thing, you say this is an artifact, and 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 mm -hmm. the thing is that it came with a a gigantic scrapbook yeah. from the family of the guy who owned it originally, yeah. and uh, and it had all these newspaper articles about where he had played. He was in he was in one or two bands over the years, and he wasn't ever a big time name. I I can't honestly remember his name now, but you know he was in a he was in you know, what you might consider local bands, you know, uh, I mean, there are, there are lots of people in the world, uh, who are like really great musicians and, or at least very good musicians and, and, uh, don't ever get really famous. Uh, 
but but they you know they either carve out a living or uh, supplement their living by by um by playing music uh and uh, and, and this guitar had all i mean literally a i don't know the scrapbook um, it was huge, it was, huge. Yeah. it was like i'm i'm putting my hands eight inches apart here and saying that, that you know it's all this it was it was set up like a photo album yeah. and um and so it, you know you could just keep Look at reading the articles and just saying you get a really got a really good sense of who this person was at least what he did well and usually the the cool instruments like that don't come with the history in a book next to it you know almost we, never we have to dig and dig and find it ourselves right, so right. you know that was that's the one that stuck out to me yeah well so, certainly yeah. since you've been here yeah and uh Oh, you know, <laughs> you know. I think about things that that uh, that came in. I could tell you about one thing that came in in the first maybe two or three years of our business that really threw me for a loop, and it shows you how green I was at, about the whole thing at the time. <laughs> Somebody brought in a uh, a harmony guitar. I know now that it was a harmony because I remember what it looked like, <laughs> but but at the time, you know. Uh, from a distance, I wouldn't have known if it was a Harmony or a Martin or a Gibson or what. I mean, uh, because I was still learning uh, all that stuff. But, um, but this particular guitar, somebody had had essentially tried to Martinize it, if you will. To they they put you know how the Martin stamp uh, on the on the back center strip uh, of the inside of the guitar. Uh, it tells you, it, uh, you know, I should know what it says, but it says C.F. Martin and Company, or for a while C.F. Martin and Nazareth, Pennsylvania, uh, and so on, and and uh, and that's that's actually stamped into the into the wood on the the inside of the back, but um, but this particular one, somebody had actually penciled it in <laughs> so in very small letters, and it, but it looked good enough that, that I just looked at it and I said. And the, this guy says, you know, I think I have a Martin guitar here. Would, would you like to buy it? And I said, well, I don't, I'm looking at it, and I don't under, really understand what this is because <laughs> yeah. it, it it looks like maybe that's penciled. I mean, nowadays I would just tell the guy, you know, we, we would know immediately this was a counter. Um, but um, but it, you know, it threw me off, and and you know, you don't want to you don't want to insult anybody. So we actually. He left us the guitar for a few days so we could maybe show it to some other people, make some calls. But ultimately, we gave it back to him because, you know, it, it it just wasn't what it purported to be. And I I'm, I can't remember. I don't know if he was he was trying to con us or not. But but if he was, he wasn't successful. <laughs> um, uh, but those are the kinds of things you remember because you spend a little more time on them. Yeah. Um, but you know, beyond that, uh, you know, all these things. Uh, you know, the first time you get a a, a, a particular model of uh, of you know of, of a Gibson mandolin or or or, or an old Martin or uh, or any of those things, you you know you you study it, you learn, you look at it a lot, and and uh, and kind of that's that's where you learn a lot of what 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 you know what people want and and why. I mean, and um, and so you know you you and and like so many things, it's all about the details. You know, what's the difference between a, I don't know, a uh, not to not to knock it at all, but a Kentucky mandolin and a Gibson mandolin, right? From at least you know from a certain period, and and uh, 
and you know from a distance they look really pretty close uh to most people and they don't know the difference and and it's it, it, if they don't play mandolin already it's hard to understand what the sound where the sound is coming from and what what's good sound and what what isn't uh i i found that early on i found that to be very true about mandolins for me at least uh, and yeah and and uh and 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 so those kinds of things stand out uh is what i'm saying you know the first time you ever got first time we ever got a uh uh you know a, a, a say a, an f2 mandolin or the first time we ever got a you know a, a sunburst les paul with with you know a 58 les paul uh guitar stuff like that is like oh that's you know that's that's the one you study the most at first and then you you know then when when you see others of the same model or similar uh you 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 it's, it's a quicker look yeah <laughs> of course yeah okay the reference points i have in my brain are these uh you know these instruments that that maybe i don't remember even the year of it when i had them but but i remember looking at that one and that that one was really cool and, <laughs> and this one is pretty cool in fact in some ways and in other ways it's even cooler um and so it gives you a comparison and and uh you know plus of course you get a sense for the sound after a while as well well man congratulations to the both of you you know stan on the 50 years and lillian on the next 50 years this is really really great and i really want to extend when i got the email from you stan about um advertising on the podcast it was a really 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 big deal for me because elderly instruments has played a really big part in like so many parts of my musical experience and um i really appreciate the support from you for that it was it was amazing to uh to do that because i like I hold all the stores that I go to anytime I walk into a store, they're automatically held to that elderly standard that I have because I've just had nothing but amazing experiences there. Well, thanks again so much. Yeah, it's very nice. Absolutely. And I really appreciate y'all taking the time. I wish I could be up there next week. I am. I will be there in November. I'm playing in Grand Rapids in uh, Ferndale and Bay City with my Bluegrass Tom Petty project. So um, I will be sure to bring my buddies and Keith's playing with us actually on banjo. And so I'll be sure we stop by elderly. Cool. Well, definitely do that. And, and I was going to offer to give you a tour of the store when you get here. One of us can do that for sure. I would love that. And, uh, but, uh, you know, Keith might be able to do it just as well. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's been, how long has it been? Keith has been gone for, what, 10 years, maybe? Is it that long? I don't know. And uh, so he probably he probably wouldn't even know how to use the cash register now because all that's changed. We'll make him bring up some strings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyway, we look forward to seeing you out here. That'll be great to it'll be great to meet you in person. Yeah, same here, man. And thank you guys so much for um for being part of, you know, again, like a, a real fond part of my musical memories. Well, thank you very much. We're happy to be here. Yeah. Happy to help. <laughs> Well, I think you can tell why Elderly has been so successful um, from that interview. And I want to thank Stan and Lillian once again. Um, if you are in the mid-Michigan area or if you're near Michigan at all, it's not too long of a drive depending on where you're coming from on July 5th, that big party. That'll be a really, really good time. So cheers, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend.